Hey everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Ugly Ducklings podcast with your hosts, Rashida and Bryce. Bryce and I love eating. We are definitely foodies. I can't count the number of times we've talked about food um, personally off the podcast. So today we wanted to bring another special guest on so that we can talk all things food. And so with that said, we have Gio from Gio's Table with us today. His philosophy is eat well, share experiences and cultivate community. He is a food blogger and host of Podcast 86. His blog, Gio's Table, includes food recipes, lifestyle pieces, and so much more. So welcome, Gio, and thank you for joining us. Thank you. Thank you. I am so excited to be here. Um, I've been listening to the podcast for a while, and I'm a big fan um, and obviously friends with Bryce. So I am honored to be here and, and sit here and talk with you guys about food, my favorite thing. <laughs> <laughs> yes, thank you so much. Um, so yeah, so we'll just kick it right off. Um, so one thing I want to also let our listeners know that Geo is located in the city of brotherly love. And for people who don't know, Philly is one of my favorite cities and their food is amazing. I feel like they don't get enough credit for how amazing the restaurants are there. But um, let's just start with first, like the birth of Geo's table. So like, how did we get to the creation of your blog? Sure, so um, it, is, it was definitely a journey. I always like to say that I was not a foodie growing up. I grew up in a small town in Pennsylvania. We were very meat and potatoes. I was actually reflecting on it today and like we had like baked chicken and rice or like <laughs> meatloaf and mashed potatoes. Like we, we weren't adventurous eaters. But um, I would actually say the city of Philadelphia is what made me fall in love with food. Um, I moved here post-grad school, and uh, it was at a time when Philly was, the Philly food scene was really blossoming, and I've always been a creative, always loved writing, but I actually started on Instagram. I was an Instagram OG, um, 2012, 2013, and when everybody was taking pictures of their food, I actually had a friend who said to me, you know, your composition is kind of good, maybe you want to, you know, it was geo-Darwinism at the time was my profile, he's like, maybe you want to you know, start taking some pictures of real pictures of food. Um, and that's kind of how Geo's Table as an Instagram was born. Then that became turned into a blog because of my love of writing and my love of, then my love of getting into cooking. I was not a cook at the time. Okay. And then from there, I, um, Bryce knows I love to buy Black and support Black-owned food businesses. The blog became a forum for that. And then that led to the Table 86 podcast where I interview creators of color in the food and beverage industry so ooh, nice yeah I still use me some jiffy but <laughs> ooh, I got a little on the blog now and see the cornbread recipe because I love trying new things um and I mean for most people I know like COVID was probably a time a lot of people experimented but I know mm -hmm. I really like cooking and baking and one of the things I've loved to like try to continuously perfect his bread pudding somewhere mm. last like three years I just became obsessed and I'm like okay let's try it with this type of bread or this like or regular milk versus cream and, and different things mm -hmm. you just like seeing mm -hmm. how it comes out and like it's just very fun yeah I absolutely love cooking um from cookbooks in particular probably have about we have a lot of cookbooks but specifically from black owned authors I probably have about 30 and oh during the God. pandemic wow that was one of the things that I did. I was like, um, I just saw a meme that was like, 
uh, buying books and reading books are two different hobbies. And so (laughs) (laughs) I'd I'd like to turn that and say buying cookbooks and actually cooking from cookbooks is also two different hobbies. But I turned the cooking and the cookbooks into a hobby. And um, that uh, over the pandemic really helped me like to I wouldn't say perfect my technique, but definitely evolve my cooking techniques and learn about new ingredients. Mm. Yeah. Bryce, do you have something that's like a staple in your kitchen? Um, I definitely on the GOA with the spices and herbs. Uh, I like, I love a good ranch seasoning because I love ranch. Uh, You know, your paprika, Old Bay. (laughs) Um, My boyfriend loves everything with Old Bay, even though we're vegetarian. So we gotta have that (laughs) Old Bay kick. Uh, I love personally, I have an obsession with sweet potatoes. It wasn't always like that. So any way to my heart is to give me like some nice sweet potatoes, whether it's cut <laughs> or actual potato itself. Anyone who's listening. Um, <laughs> also, I appreciate a good cob salad. Love a cob salad. And um, yeah, I'm pretty straightforward with it. I think it's really all about the spices and herbs. I don't trust people that don't really use spices and herbs. No offense, but it's kind of like. <laughs> How about like, if they use it like Paula Patton? See, Paula, Paula <laughs> was a whole, that was a whole nother layer. Um, you know, she got the recipe from her mother. Her mother's not good with the seasons. Um, and that's how they do it in her family, according to her. So who can knock that? You know, I'm just, it sounds crazy, but I like kind of wanted to try a piece, not because I thought it tasted good, but because I wanted to know, is there actually flavor after you season it in the grease? Like, does any of this stick? Because for me, I feel like it wouldn't, but like, maybe I'm wrong. So she's apparently feeding her, her child's school with this chicken. Mm. All of You know, but we're just going to do a taste test because I don't want to get you know, <laughs> sick but you know we love paula i am so curious i do love paula Patton. so and she was a good sport about it but i was still stressed watching her make it so i'm not gonna lie (laughs) and i have this cookbook geo um from aisha curry called full plate and Mm -hmm. i keep like tagging things and just not doing it and so i need to like really like push myself the next time i go to the grocery store to take it with me because that's the problem i'll like think of something Mm -hmm. i want to do and then I'll come back, oh, I forgot to buy the ingredients. So like, I just need yeah. to remember. Yeah, no, that's that's fantastic. I just learned and I, I was talking to somebody who's a chef and he was like, you know, the average person only like cooks three to five recipes from any cookbook that they have. So like when chefs are writing cookbooks, they like, they only sometimes do like 20 to 30 recipes or, or 40 recipes with the intent in mind that people are only going to cook three to five out of it. So that goes a lot into the, to the creative behind that, like the creative thinking, the brainstorming about the recipes they're going to do. Um, so that, wow. that was just a tidbit I found really fascinating um, that I didn't know before. And I just learned that like a couple of weeks ago. Wow. And that's yeah. so sad. And, you know, I feel like <laughs> I want to push myself now to really do it because I was doing um, Blue Apron at one time. Currently, mm. I'm doing Green Chef. So I'm like, if I can do these, like I can do that. And like, yeah, you get really comfortable in certain things. Like one of my go-tos is salmon, like putting it in the oven, putting some oh. like lemon pepper, salt pepper, <laughs> and then like olive oil. And then like yeah. it's done. And then, you know, either doing like a side salad or some type of slaw. That's, yeah. but I get lazy because that's so easy to make. So it's like, okay, mm-hmm. you push yourself to do something else. Definitely. Gio, do you have like something that is like your go-to quick meal? 
Yeah, it's actually funny enough because it's fr- it's it's not from my childhood, but it's a, like a childhood meal. It's chicken and rice. Yes. Um, there was actually a New York Times recipe years ago, um, one pot chicken and rice. It's chicken, rice, and a cast iron skillet with black beans. Um, it is so simple. If you ever get invited to like a small scale dinner party at my house, like that's probably going to be on, on the menu because mm. I perfected it, but also it's so easy to make. But, but Bryce, I know you're a vegetarian, so I might have to come up with a secondary dish um, <laughs> if I always have you over for dinner. <laughs> I always tell people, you know, I can eat a few sides. That's the, You know, you don't have to do nothing special <laughs> for me, just a few sides. But, you know, it's funny because I am a vegetarian and I have no problem cooking meat and uh, seafood. As you know, I can cook a mean salmon, you know, <laughs> not even a lot about it. I cook a mean salmon. Um, I, I would say my go-to right now in this vegetarian world I love a good, um, I've, I've gained an interest in jackfruit, so I can make mm-hmm. a good jackfruit taco situation. That sounds amazing. I feel like that's a trending ingredient for like vegan and vegetarians because I'm seeing mm-hmm. it more on, on menus and I'm like, oh, I need to try. I've never tried jackfruit, so I actually need to try it. Yeah. If you do it right, it, it gives like a pulled pork type of taste look, um, Whole, not Whole Foods, um, Trader Joe's, they actually sell it in the can, believe it or not, mm-hmm. because I think the jackfruit itself, if you buy it outright, might be $80 for the big one. Because um, uh-huh. uh, it's right. So I just normally get the canned one and you can cut it up and then drain it and then cook it like the regular way. Because I I did go to Whole Foods and one day they did have the jackfruit in stock and I think it was mm-hmm. like $80 for the big one and they weren't trying to cut it. And I was like, no, nah, I'm sticking to the can. Got it. it. Yeah. (laughs) You know what? We have to talk about like the cost of food. So is it by design that in these poor black and brown neighborhoods that were in food deserts Mm -hmm. and that is cheaper for us to go to McDonald's than it is for me and you, you know, to go to like a Whole Foods or Acme in Philly and like buy fresh vegetables? Yeah, in some instances, that really is the case. I know we, we it's, and it's, it's really unfortunate. Um, and I don't know enough about the politics around that. Yeah. Um, I've just talked to a lot of people about it. One thing that I do find interesting, and this ties back to like, foods of the African diaspora at like one point, like our foods weren't popular. So they were cheap. They weren't considered the yes. fine dining cuts of meats or things like that. Like, you know, you said, uh, make these things cheap again. You know, there was a thing makes, make oxtails cheap again yes. um, because mm. they used to be extremely cheap and now they're seen almost as a delicacy. Um, and unfortunately I do think that there is some systemic racism that plays a role in how some of those things play out. Um, even in a, a city like Philadelphia, you know, there are some phenomenal Black-owned restaurants that never get the shine that they deserve. And I, I know we're talking about like food deserts and things like that, but I think it permeates the food industry, this uh, inequity, right? Yes. So inequity in price, um, inequity in access. Uh, and that is on the restaurant side, that's in the, you know, grocery stores, um, you know, it's, it's economic. It's so um, it's, it's unfortunate, but you see it everywhere. Yeah. And it is, it's crazy too, like you said, because now our foods are trending. Um, So lamb, oxtail, and of course, like dark meat chicken Mm -hmm. are things that were super cheap at one point. And um, I work for, well, not now, but I used to work for a poultry company and Mm -hmm. they would talk about 
everything white meat, white wheat, white meat. And mm-hmm. all of a sudden it became, oh, like let's what recipes and what's this and what's that. And then and then when I really thought about it, I said every ethnic group outside of Caucasian for the most part would cook their food with dark meat anyway mm-hmm. like in terms of chicken mm-hmm. like because it's more yeah. flavorful obviously it was cheaper blah 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 yeah. and yeah. so like mm-hmm. it's when they're getting on these waves you're like oh, we've been here we've been doing mm-hmm. this but it's still detrimental because now literally when I go to buy oxtails I haven't bought them in over a year because every time I look they're like they're ridiculous <laughs> yeah. or something. I'm like I'm not buying this Right, right. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Um, and, and it's unfortunate because I, I still see that trend going to continue to happen. Um, oh, yeah. I will say to the degree that you can, buying from a local, uh, buying local, even if you can't buy black, buy local, um, yes. that can sometimes help with the prices. We actually belong to a butcher. It's kind of like a butcher box service, but mm-hmm. it's through a, a local woman-owned um butcher shop primal supply meats and we feel like we get extremely quality meats at a fraction not I wouldn't say a fraction of the cost but lesser than what we would get in the grocery store so I, I think that's another way to kind of give give back to your community or invest in your community um, and beat the prices at, in, in some cases it's amazing you know it's funny um going back a little bit on the appropriating of our foods topic I was looking at some like blog posts. Um, I think I was looking at like some New Year's blog posts and I started to notice that some of our white influences are eating black eyed peas for New Year's. Mm-hmm. And that kind of caught me off guard a little bit. I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> I mean, we don't own black eyed peas, but we kind of do. <laughs> like, right, right, right. <laughs> what is going on here? Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm not at a loss for words, but I, I have I have thoughts on that. But again, that's something that you see across the board, like we can't have nothing sometimes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, it, it's really unfortunate. Actually, I saw something, but I saw it from a black blogger and and I was skeptical. It was black IP hummus oh. um, and I made it. And it's probably one of our favorite things. Really? Um, it, okay. And when I first saw Black Eyed Pea Hummus, I was like, they done gentrified Black Eyed Peas, right? <laughs> but right. Um, actually, um, just like regular hummus is made from chickpeas, which are, are being like Black Eyed Pea Hummus the same, and it has a smokier flavor. So like, Ooh. so there are things. And, and again, I actually learned it from a Black food blogger. So yeah. Um, we are still inventive, even in our own own spaces and reinventing the ingredients that that we, you know, have, I wouldn't say own, but have been part of our culture for, for centuries. Yes. I'm with it. I'm going to have to find this recipe. Wait a minute. Yeah, I'd be open. I love, hum- I love me some hummus. So yeah. Okay. <laughs> so in reference to food, obviously, then you think about nutrition. So how has your understanding of that changed over time? Are you also like, bringing that into mind when you're thinking of recipes or even just what you're going to eat every day? Yeah. So a common misconception, like I think I used to have, and through talking to a lot of black chefs and nutritionists and things like that, is that like soul food is inherently unhealthy, which is just not true. Um, You know, a lot of times, and even if you look at a lot of West Indian and and even in Africa countries, they're eating from the land. So for Mm -hmm. me, that's something that I always think about. Like I said, we talked about access earlier. I grew up with a lot of canned vegetables. Now I I have access to fresh ingredients. So I definitely think about that um, from a nutrition 
standpoint. Um, yeah. When I'm, what fresh ingredients can I use or, or what can I make fresh? So, so that has changed the way that I cook. Um, I would also say that when I'm cooking, I've learned so now there's so many alternatives to the way I used to cook. So I used to only have vegetable oil in my, um, in my fridge. Now I cook yeah. with like Trader Joe's has coconut oil packets and I'm like, Oh, yeah. this is convenient. Like I can cook with that. That can make it a little healthier. Um, so I'm super conscious of those things now in a way that I, I wasn't before, but with more knowledge, I've been able to change the way I cook a little bit, alter, alter some things, think about that in recipes and, and, um, I will also say, um, I don't know if you guys use MyFitnessPal, but um, I love to check the stats on on different ingredients there. Like yeah. what's the protein? What's the fat? What's, what's things like that? And, and that has been helpful as well. Yes, I did keto um, two years ago, but not, I didn't have MyFitnessPal. I had some other app on my phone and I was obviously in that scenario, just tracking carbs, but so su surprised because I was eating like a lot of eggplant at the time. Mm. And I was like, I didn't realize it was so heavy in carbs and like some of the other mm -hmm. vegetables that I was eating. And so I'm thinking I'm eating healthy, but I was still like overeating and eating too many carbs and blah, blah, blah. Um, but I, I think there is such a balance because I don't want it to become where I'm like not enjoying my food experience because food is like, like you said, peace, therapy. Like it's mm -hmm. like when you cook something and you like it, it's like, ah. Uh, this is yeah, awesome. Yeah, like, yeah. you know what I mean? And I don't want to get away from that where I'm like, oh my God, I can only have like a quarter cup. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. No, I, I agree. And, and I, I think that, that, you know, the, the best thing for me um, on my food journey and through discovery of new ingredients has been, I believe you should be able to change your mind when new information is presented. And I've learned okay. so much <laughs> that I've been able to change my mind about a lot of foods, not even just new ones that I try, but traditional ones like I love collards and now how I make them is like super healthy where it might not have been as healthy before so like things like that have stay with me mm -hmm. that's amazing I know like I have recently downloaded this app called Yuka I believe it's pronounced and like now I'm at the grocery store I'm that person scanning all, all the barcodes excuse me and it's telling me what's good and what's bad. And what really hurt my heart today was that, you know, I'm a Cheerios person and I found mm. that the Cheerios <laughs> is not good for you. So then I had to switch up my cereal and it really hurt me, but you know, <laughs> towards a healthier lifestyle, you know, it, it's still- So what did you switch to? I found, give me a second. I found this cereal at ShopRite because that's where I go sometimes. And it's called- um it's i want to say it's called what kashi cereal. okay okay i've heard of that brand i've uh, heard of them too yeah heart to heart cereal granted um cereal in general is pricey like let's be mm -hmm. honest i mean without a sale you're paying four dollars this was like i want to say it was like three fifty four dollars and the box is not that big but i tried it today for the first time with my oat milk i used to drink soy and i found like I found out that oat was a little healthier. So I'm transitioning <laughs> and cereal wasn't bad. So that's a process, but I'm getting there. Yes. Yeah, it is a process. So are you working on a cookbook? Me? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so no, um, <laughs> but you know, um, one of the things that I would like to get more into is food writing. Um, okay. I'm, I'm kind of mm. developing a plan to pitch and do that. Um, so I am most interested in 
fusion cuisines, but ground it within the Black experience in the African diaspora. So like um, I, I belong to a group called Eat the Culture, which is a collective of Black food bloggers. And one of the things that we did was Afrofuturism. We all had to create like Afrofuturistic recipes. Um, and this was a collaboration we did for, I want to say Black History Month. Um, okay. Yeah, it was Black History Month. I don't think it was Juneteenth. But um, anyway, that really, I started to see how African influences impacted much of the world and the food in the world. So for me, I'm like, I want to explore that more. I want to see what that looks like today. And so as I think about writing more and what I'd like to pitch, that's kind of the space that I want to be in. Um, I used to want to write a cookbook um, and I have done a lot of recipe development for brands, but yeah. I, I think my calling maybe yeah. is in, in the writing space. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I was checking out your site today. So I'll have to look through for that Afrofuturism. That sounds really cool. Does anyone, okay, okay. This is like random off the rip. Does anyone (laughs) remember, okay, we all seen this movie Soul Food, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay, so when we had it on VHS, sorry for the youngins out there. (laughs) VHS was a thing. Do you remember it came with a cookbook? No. No. Is this a Mandela effect? Because no one remembers this cookbook that came with the VHS. Like the Sinbad movie that never happened? Okay. Exactly. So (laughs) every actor and actress had a recipe that they provided for the cookbook that was their favorite, like, dish. Mm. And you could try it out. I'm about to, like, Google this just because... I had the VHS. I had the VHS, but I don't remember that. It was definitely a soul food cookbook that came with the VHS. It's not on Google? Try it. And I mean, here's the thing, like, <laughs> I was too young to be cooking. Like, what were we, like, mm. seven or eight at the time? Yeah. yeah. I would love to find it now because I remember Vivica had a banging recipe. It looked like it. I mean, at eight years old, it looked banging, right? <laughs> um, That's mm-hmm. hilarious. I'm like, wow. I'm like, where was I? I don't remember this at all. I'm going to ask my mom, but she probably doesn't remember. because it, I mean, on Amazon. It on VH1, or VHS, I should say. It's on Amazon for $6.99. Oh. Oh, no. Is that, is that the soundtrack? I'm trying to get this cookbook. Oh, no. It's, <laughs> it's um Soul Food Movie uh, Recipes. I found it. Look at that. Um, that's awesome. I did not know. Now I'm going to Google after. Um, I would say, do you guys remember... This made me think of something. Do you guys remember um, the Black Family Reunion cookbook? No. So like every auntie and grandma, at least in my community, had this cookbook and the picture looked um, like, do you know that picture turning point in the Harlem Renaissance? I think that's what it's called. That's what the the paining is. Um, I, I think it used to be in the Cosby show. Okay. I anyway. Think I, yeah. yes, mm-hmm. yes, yes, yes. So there was a cookbook called, I believe, the Black Family Reunion Cookbook. I just recently got it. It was like $10 on Amazon. Um, I might have got it like a year or so ago. But it's funny to see the ingredients because it feels very 90s. <laughs> um, it feels very, very 90s. Um, but but yeah, you should check that out too. I, I believe it's reminiscent to the Soul Food movie recipe book. Right. Okay. And okay, speaking on that, so what does like, a, I guess a 90s recipe look like? Yeah, so <laughs> uh, there there was a cookbook I, I picked up at like a thrift store called the Neo Soul Cookbook. 
Okay. You know and um, one of the things that I thought about now, now the Black Panther Reunion cookbook does have like pork in it, but do you know when there was like, and there's still probably today, but there was like this uptick of Black people who were like, uh, we don't eat pork. We only eat yes. turkey bacon. We only eat that. Like, like yeah. there, that feels like a very 90s sentiment to me, like the, mm. the thoughts of my 90s. And so when <laughs> I, I, I if, if I could draw an analogy, when I look at these cookbooks, they feel very, very much like that, like a mix of like how we cooked in like the 70s and 80s with like this 90s, which would have been a modern, a more modern flair, um, mm-hmm. newer ingredients. We didn't try and things like that. So um, yeah, anyway, that that's how I would describe it. <laughs> that's interesting. I never thought about like how recipes could have changed throughout time. Yeah. 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 Think about like even trendy foods now, like the last five years, like fried cauliflower. That is like cauliflower steak. Like that was not a thing. And now mm-hmm. it is everywhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love me some fried cauliflower too. Yes. <laughs> yeah, me too. It's it's excellent. I love it. <laughs> yeah. There was a place in Philly. Like the next time I go to Philly, I'm beelining to get their fried cauliflower. I, oh my God. I used to love that place. It's like over in Fishtown Front Street Cafe. Front, yes, you mm-hmm. see. Yeah, you see, my I was just about to say yes. They're they have a lot of vegetarian there. options. We oh. can go to brunch there, uh, Bryce. <laughs> Let's yes. go! I'm excited because <laughs> yes. we don't have really many in uh, South Jersey, unless I don't know where they are. But yeah, yeah, yeah Front Street Cafe. Yeah, it's my favorite fried cauliflower in the city too, Rashida. Oh my so. God, <laughs> yes. I swear, I've been living in the Bay now for two years, and I'm always like. I've yet to find anything close. Mm, it's like, wow, mm. this is so sad. <laughs> I miss Front Street. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Great restaurant. <laughs> Maurice just went to um, Slutty Vegan in Atlanta for the first time and fell in love with it. But um, mm. I know sometimes they come to, I know they haven't come to Philly in a while. And I always want to try them too and see what the hype was about, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, I haven't tried them, but I have heard phenomenal things from people and from the gram. Like people are in love with them. <laughs> Always the gram. Yeah. There's a black owned vegan spot in West Philly. I think it's called Veganish. Mm. Have you tried that? Um, I, I've not. Okay. But I mean, I, I just think it's similar in a sense of like, you know, you can get like burgers and like more like mm-hmm. fast food kind of things, but Ooh. you should try them out. Yeah, I'll look them oh, up. I haven't, sure. I haven't tried, tried them. Now I'm thinking of like if I've heard of them, like, um, but I'll look it up afterwards. <laughs> yeah, and they um are black owned, so that's the main part why I'm like, go check them out. Go yeah. check them out. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. And you know, speaking of vegan meals, that's one thing I also learned too that I had to tell my family about, like an Impossible Burger when you get it from you know like a fast food place or even some restaurants, they're not really good for you. No. Yeah. And so I might as well just ate the meat. <laughs> yeah. Right, right. You know that? Right. That's a misconception that just like I said, the, the misconception about soul food is inherently unhealthy. There's a misconception that vegan and veganism, everything is inherently healthy. Right. Um, and it's just not true. So yeah, impossible burgers can not at, at, not be good for you. <laughs> right. Cause like um, I forgot who asked my family, like, we well, you know. You know, when people are vegetarian and vegan, they're just all like thin. And I'm like, no, because oh. like the Impossible Burger is not good for you. What you mean? I don't right. know. <laughs> it was a whole whole debate at the house. I forgot what holiday it was, but 
Yeah, because you, <laughs> you could be like, I don't want to say it's lazy, but like if you're like um a vegan that's not worried about health per se and you're just eating what you want, like you could do French fries, you know, a pizza, like a burger, all of these things you can just have without meat. Mm-hmm. It's still not healthy for you, but you're right. Everyone assumes mm-hmm. that like, oh, you must be super skinny, but you're not, <laughs> depending yeah. on what you're eating. That no, definitely. I agree. <laughs> All that seitan, because I tried vegan for a few months and the seitan I realized is too much. Like too much of that is also too bad. You know, everything not, not is, good for you. Mm-hmm. Everything in life I realize has to be in moderation. Too much of anything can be bad. That's like the way that yeah. like, I feel. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, even one of the things I learned, I talked to a Caribbean vegan chef and she said to me, she was like, actually, veganism was easy for her because a lot of her dishes that she made in St. Vincent, where she was from, we're already all plant-based and she was like, okay. they're already, we're all he- healthy. So like, she's like, they made a, I don't know, um, plantain porridge with coconut, coconut milk. She's like, that was healthy because we're eating from the earth. So like, um, I, I think about that all the time too. Like, um, and, and now like veganism is in every culture too, because I, I remember a time when they would be like, oh, vegan isn't a black thing. Um, I remember but, that. Yeah. Yeah. But that's, that's not true. <laughs> That sounds awesome, though. Plants and porridge. Okay, I'm just gonna be looking up all these things now. That sounds amazing. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Pretty much gonna get food immediately. Well, it's dinner time, so it's fitting. Um, but Gio, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Um, is there anything you'd like to plug or any projects you're working on that you want people Uh-oh. to be aware of? Sure. So I am currently working on season three of my podcast, Table 86. Um, You can subscribe to that on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Anchor FM, wherever you stream your favorite podcasts. And um, also, if you want to follow me on Instagram, I am at Geo's Table. That is G-E-O-S-T-A-B-L-E or um, Geo's Table, P-H-L.com. Okay. Yes, y'all follow. I follow. I do too. Yeah. (laughs) I appreciate it. Yes. Um, So thank you so much for joining us. Um, Thanks everyone again for listening to another episode of the Ugly Ducklings podcast. As you guys know, you can always hit us up on Gmail. Let us know how you thought about today's episode um, on at uglyducklingspod at gmail.com. And you can always follow us on Instagram at Bryce Lennon or at Love Jones Mark. And we will catch you guys again next week. We have, I think, about maybe two, three more episodes before we're wrapping up season two. So thanks so much, y'all, for sticking through with us. We will catch y'all next week. Peace. Later. <laughs>